I'm going to go out on a limb right yeah. now. Do you think My Chemical Romance was the biggest influence, not just musically, but like style and like emotions to kids of this era? Oh, yeah. Do you I, think like they were the most, I'm not saying like the biggest or, but well, do you think, think they influenced the scene the most? I think so. And I also do think they were the biggest, sort of like how like for for people around my age who were like into music, it would be blank 182. Yeah. They were kind of like the same thing. Cause we all were like assholes, like the guys in blank and like want to dress like that, whatever, like not care. Right. But then people this age, cause we were like teaching some of them at the time, they were like, so into like looking like these dudes and like yeah. being into that, the, whatever that is. It was like pretty cool. This was a huge record. I was a big fan. Like I listened to it in its entirety. Um, like their whole album here. Three mm-hmm. Cheers for Sweet Revenge. I listened to it in its ent- entirety, like maybe like a month ago. Right. Like it's pretty good still. For cool. some reason, they seem like they were like the poster band yeah. for like this scene. Well, they were fucking huge. They and they were, also, yeah. they like had the best uh, songs. Like yeah. V- very pop. Like yeah. this one we're about to listen to, you know, this could be like a Bruce Springsteen song Let's back in the day. I'm going to imagine him singing yeah. it. <laughs> it would suck if it was one of his songs, but he could have recorded it. Right. <laughs> Great octaves again, carrying the pop punk scene, carrying the tradition of George Benson, and like the drummer, just like, Love it. all right, I got some time. Let's do a fill right here. It sounds great. I love how this record sounds. Yeah. So nasally. Mm. Amazing pick bass tone. Oh man, it's really good. It's dirty. I like where the guitars are mixed too. Like they put the like hair metal guys guitar yeah, down there. It yeah, sounds yeah. really good. They get they gave him a lot of space, which is good because he deserves it. This is such a weird chorus melody. Yeah. There we go. There's a little bit of melody. <laughs> Cool. Like it was such a cool chorus when it came out too, because like he's not really like saying anything. He's yeah. just like saying a line. Yeah, I'm not okay. Yeah. Nice, great background. Dude, like, that's yeah. such a Taking Back Sunday thing. <laughs> you know, there's a sick video out there of uh, My Chemical Romance performing this song with Adam and Fred from Taking Back Sunday oh, singing. Because Gerard Way was like sick or something. I can't remember. It's not as good, but it's fun. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, it's like this guitar solo and breakdown coming up is when you're like, I remember hearing it and being like, oh, there's something more to this band than right. just like their contemporaries. It's like this part is nuts coming up. Yeah. This is where people be like, oh, they sound like Queen a little bit. I and get it now. I, yeah. And I agree, yeah. They're also very theatrical. But like this guitar harmony is well put together. Also, that lick at the end is just a queen left. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, this part's great too. This weird piano thing. Yeah, like I like that this song stays in the same place and has this crazy bridge section. 
and compelling lead vocal, like all over the place. <laughs> Welcome to Listen to This, the podcast from the true store songs we like. Research what they mean, how they were recorded, why they were written, why we like them, and why you should listen to this. Today, we're putting on some guy liner for this podcast and talking about I'm Not Okay, I Promise by My Chemical Romance. Is the lead single off the group's mainstream breakthrough albums, Three Cheers for Sweet Revenge, and was released on September 13th, 2004. It's fun. I like doing these like early 2000s ones because I was like just really getting into music. Yeah, then. Same. I mean, I think I was maybe I had been into music for like a handful of years pretty deep, but like I was into the scene at yeah. that time. Mm-hmm. Um, it was written by the band and produced by Howard Benson, not related to George Benson. I had to do a little bit of digging. Just, we, had, we, had, we had to do our due diligence there. <laughs> How we had to do our due diligence. Oh my God, I want George Benson to cover these pop punk songs. He would like murder them. It would be so good. And like a good murder. We got to reach out to his PR. Yeah, I'll write him an email. I'll tweet <laughs> at Please him. write him an email. Oh my God. <laughs> the song would peak at number four on the charts and was certified platinum. It was mixed by Richard Costi and Simon Askew. And I got to ask, do two people ever mix a song? Yeah, definitely. Really? Yeah. I've, I yeah. don't think I've come across that on like this. Yeah, like, man, sometimes it's great, like, when you have someone that you can bounce off of, you know? Um, when you're like working in a room you don't know, or someone hand, someone's really good at handling this and you're really good at handling that, or... Sometimes you know one guy at this during this era, one guy's doing the Pro Tools, one guy's doing the console. Oh yeah, yeah. Like there's so many different configurations. That's cool. I just I never I, like in all my time of like looking up songs, I can't really remember seeing a two person mix team. Yeah, like it's t- weird to get the credit like that. Yeah, okay. But, dude, remember back like when they were doing the Beatles records, it would yeah. be like six guys. Yeah, yeah. To like hold the gear and automate in real time. That's a good point. I guess, but they but they'd always give the credit to like you know like. Yeah. George Martin. Yeah. Not it, not George R. R. Martin. But imagine that. Like imagine. Like before he was writing the, the books, he was recording the Beatles. We would have we would we would have only gotten like the first Beatles record, the first couple. He'd Definitely. be like, We're still yeah. working on the white album. He'd, he'd have to look the same as he looks right now. Though. Yeah. Dude, this song uh so this song is like a theme of songs we look up. The band's label didn't like any of the songs that they recorded for this whole album. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, apparently the A&R at Warner for them, his name is Craig Aronson, really liked it and pushed the label to promote it. And according to Aronson, quote, the expectations for it were low to moderate. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? This is a top five single, end quote. Dude, I, it's just like, I just have, have, I just have like flashbacks to like guys in the studio being like, it's a fucking hit. It's a fucking hit. It's a hit. He's right, though. How would you not uh, realize this would be a popular song? It like totally hit the sound of the time but also like presented something new but also something that like was relatable to like sort of the more epic rock of the late 70s early 80s you know he probably understood it's like i get as an adult i can understand someone's reservations on this song because it's got the weird bridge it's got the weird breakdown i get that but i think what he maybe understood is this is not a song for adults it's for teenage girls. Yeah, exactly. That's a good point. And they're going to dig this shit. Yeah. And I, I think, and you know what? He put his career on the line. Yeah. Because like when you sit in that room and you're like, it's a fucking hit. Yeah, I'm putting you, my name on it. And if it flops, people don't forget. Yeah, exactly. They give you a hard ass time. Yeah. And also this is like, 
it's not like he was putting his name on like a sure thing. This is a little bit yeah. left of center for like what was going on at yeah. the time. This is a Al- huge, big play for him. Although little did they know that like, and we've kind of touched on this at the beginning, this would like start a whole, it, it basically it would, was like a sea change in like the pop punk yes. emo thing. Where, huge like, change. Afterwards, everything got a little bit darker. Yeah. Like, this was the introduction of like the hot topic yeah, era yeah. of, you know, and, pop punk music. And it's, it's like, it had existed in a lot of music before like i i want to say this stuff has things in common with like corn and marilyn manson and slipknot but was way more like pop and way just more pop. A, a little bit more like punk too yeah and the message was just communicated easier yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. sometimes you gotta like listen to some of these corn songs and be like, Man, no it's too dark talking it's about? too heavy yeah. it's like about killing and yeah, murdering yeah, and like yeah. all this stuff whereas this th- this was just basically about being you know, like a regular ass teenager. Exactly. And like, exactly. but like presented in a way that's just like, is like more stylized, like how it's sort of in the way that like the Tim Burton movies are like, exactly. I always like have that connection. Yeah, that I get, that I get. Like I bet My Chemical Romance were huge fans of Nightmare Before Christmas. It has to be. It has to be. Yeah. yeah. The dude is like a, the lead singer, his name's Gerard Way. He's, um, of some interesting facts about him that I remember. He was originally like a comic book, artist really and then he started a comic book series after my chemical romance and it it was called the umbrella academy and now it's a hit show on netflix you're right pretty weird show i like the band more i have to say yeah i haven't watched the show yeah also he uh gerard way is cousins with joe rogan (laughs) which like i wonder if they've ever hung out definitely (laughs) you think so definitely they hung out Definitely, like uh, they were both in Hollywood because Joe Rogan yeah. was doing Fear Factor I guess, and shit. Yeah, he was, and like, yeah, that was Fear Factor's era. That was wasn't that, it? that was the era of Fear Factor, and Joe Rogan was the host. <laughs> the music video for this song is awesome. Do you remember it? I don't. I remember the Black Parade. Yeah, oh, I remember that, that one. Nice. And that's kind of like they're like. There, Michelangelo, oh, like yeah, Da that, Vinci, Mona Lisa, whatever. Well, like, that was when that when that album came out. It was like the perfect storm of like them being on top, yeah. them having the most money. It's like yeah, the, and those tours were huge. I remember like they reunited maybe last year, um, and they never got to go on their world tour because of COVID, right? But I think it like the world tour for the Black Parade tour or whatever. It's it, gonna so, fucking it, sell. Well, out. it sold out within like a minute. Yeah, all over the world, which is like. Bands aren't doing that shit nowadays. Like even artists aren't doing that. No, I don't. Like, I, I don't know why they had such devoted fans. I think because they're good. They are good. Yeah. They, they were just so influential. Man. Yeah, I know they really were. That's cool. I, I play this song all the time. I love it. Yeah, I remember yeah. like it was yesterday. Yeah, it's a, yeah. I, I remember the first time I heard this album. It's fun. Like we we just did that end of Evanescence song, and it's like reminds me of the same thing. Like such a big visual impression. I see the left vision. by this band, and then also like the next thing I was gonna say is like super dynamic vocalist. Yeah. Like how often do you get somebody who kind of talks a little bit in a song, screams a lot, does some real singing, does some just like fast paced chaotic stuff? I feel like he's throwing so many different vibes out as a singer. It's really impressive. <laughs> and like when you're mixing something like that. Do you try to get everything to be at a similar volume? Like, how do you make all the different things work together? And I know he can kind of do that on his own, but... Right. There is an element of, like, when you're mixing rock music, that things kind of kind of remain static. Mm-hmm. Like, you get your guitars set, and they're already, like, so compressed because they're so distorted. Your drums are pretty much squares because they're compressed so hard. Like, everything is just so compressed. It's rock music that the vocal almost has this like free ability to like dance amongst all this compression because everything else is so static yeah. and stays 
that the vocal is able to play amongst like everyone being just locked in. That makes a lot of sense. Like so much about music is is creating something comforting and then putting something uncomfortable around it. Like yeah. the entire concept of syncopation and rhythm is right, that. Right, like, exactly. And it, it, it works that way probably in all elements. All elements work on all elements. So funny. Yeah. I sound so so woke because I'm eating this kimchi. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, yeah, all the music's all just one, man. It's woke, bruh. The music video for this was cool. It was shot in the style of a, like a trailer for a classic American high school movie with like jocks, nerds, karate. Dude, so like it's so great. That that's like funny. I love the idea of trailers to nothing. I know. Like such uh, for some reason it was so cool. I remember really remember that music video. I listened to it uh on my first ever iPod. I think it was like <sighs> second or third generation iPod. Right. So like it had the wheel, but it was like I can just see the display. I used to listen to so much fucking music on that thing. You cannot recreate the shuffle mode on yeah. those iPods. Yeah, I know. It was so great. Yeah. And at that time, I had so many good records because I had all this punk stuff, but I was also really into the new wave of American heavy metal. Like, had all the Shadows Fall and, like, Kill Switch Engage. Yeah, because that it went yeah. to, like, more 07, 08, 09. Mm. It, gets, it gets into, like, metalcore. Yeah, I was really into In Flames yeah. and All That Remains. Yeah. And the second Slipknot record. <laughs> Damn. Damn, it's so fun. I don't think about this stuff very much. I know this. So I mean, it's, it's, always, it's always fun to listen back to old music and like think critically about what was going on in that time. And it's like, oh, that's pretty cool. Like my, I remember like sneaking out of like Torah class to like listen to this album <laughs> in like the bathroom. <laughs> that's so funny, man. The last thing I wanted to ask about is uh, octave and harmonized guitar solos. Like, how do how do you record a harmonized guitar solo? Because from from my understanding, they, he just records the solo and then records the harmony. But like, what's the process like about like matching the tones and like making sure it all sounds even, like compression, dynamic? Yeah, that's wise? it's it's really that's it's a great question because like that is like what usually happens. It's like one guy's kind of hitting it and then one guy's hitting the the harmony and yeah, it's it's easier. I, I would say it's easier for one guy to harmonize himself because he's attacking like the same way. He understands he the, understands the nuance of the, of the style, not dude, just like the notes. Think about this. What about those dudes from Event Sevenfold? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They play the, the dual, they they play the harmonized solos, but they're just two different guys. Yeah. That, That's I mean, hard. It's, it's like a good, it's like a good beach volleyball team though. Yeah. It's like, they, you gotta have that like kind of like push and pull, that right. like weird physical right. and emotional understanding that like two people get when they like work together, which is always really cool. The Damn. husband and wife zone. Yeah, the husband and wife zone. Yeah, <laughs> fucking love the Olympics, yeah. dude. Oh, my chemical romance would win the Olympics for best something. Now you don't win for best. I don't know. I don't know. I'm done. <laughs> Today's episode of Listen to This is brought to you by HeavyMetalGospelLessons.com. Their team of Satan-worshipping guitar teachers will help guide you through all the gospel charts you will need to fight the light and groove towards the darkness. With a huge catalog of pre-recorded lessons, master classes, and gear demonstrations, this is the perfect place to get heavy and hail Satan while also learning every single fucking extended chord voice thing you'll never ever use. That's HeavyMetalGospelLessons.com, gospel guitar instruction forged in the fires of Beelzebub. Thanks so much for listening to this podcast. Please rate and review us. Subscribe. We're on Instagram and Patreon. I'll post a link to the show notes. We've got a playlist on Spotify with all the songs and episodes from all the seasons. Thanks so much for listening to this. <laughs>